I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. Today's thought from above is this. We need the church. If you missed the pod episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on things above. Setting our minds on good, beautiful, and true thoughts, on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that is why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become an epiphany of grace. You know, we're coming out of the pandemic. I read the other day that the World Health Organization has finally said we are through the pandemic after three years. And certainly the effects of the pandemic are still with us in many ways, the ways that we've been shaped by it. I heard we're a little more lonely. I've heard that we struggle a little bit more with anxiety and depression. No question it's had an impact on us. But one area that it's also had an impact on is the church, or how we go to church, or whether we go to church. During the pandemic, many churches actually shut down uh, or went online. I know that's what our church did. We went fully online for quite a while. I got used to a certain rhythm of actually recording uh, the church service in the middle of the week, and then being with my family on the weekends in the comfort of our own living room just watching that same church service that we had taped um, as if it were live. And there was something comfortable about that. I know a lot of people enjoyed this new rhythm. Suddenly people began to wonder, do I really need to go to the church? Do I really need to be present? And then it raised certain philosophical questions about can you actually be present through the pixels? I mean, you're not actually face-to-face with people. Recently, there was an article in Christianity Today that actually raised this very issue, saying, what is it about the church that we need? Is there something about the church that's important to us that we just cannot get by viewing church services online, that we can't get from watching, let's say, sermons that we like from people that we enjoy listening to? And I'm not saying that there's not something valuable in those things. What is it about the church that actually is crucial to our own development? I think of something Dallas Willard said, that while it has its problems, the church is and always will be God's best arrangement for his people. I think about that a lot. It's God's best arrangement for his people. What we have done as Christ followers for 2,000 years has held up. It's, it's, it's happened from those early house churches through the Middle Ages to the Reformation to the present. I mean, Christians have gathered together to hear the Word proclaimed, to hear our songs sung, to sing those songs, actually, and to recite the prayers, to be together, to pray for each other. We're shaped by this kind of gathering. This year marks the 25th anniversary of the passing of 
Rich Mullins, a singer-songwriter who's been mentioned a lot on this podcast. In fact, the opening music to this podcast is from Rich's song Creed. He's such an important person to me personally, a dear friend. We were soul friends. We shared a lot. He lived in our attic apartment for two and a half years, and we became very close. And he influenced me greatly. I don't know if I influenced him much, but he certainly influenced me. And I wrote the biography about Rich. It's a devotional biography called Rich Mullins, An Arrow Pointing to Heaven. And just this year, the 25th anniversary of that book came out. And it was wonderful to see a new group of people beginning to read and learn about Rich. What's fascinating about Rich is that his music continues to really minister to people. People are very devoted to his music today. And you you really can't say that about many recording artists because music just changes so quickly. You know, we talk about one-hit wonders or even a style of music that comes and goes. But for 25 years, people have been very dedicated to Rich's music because it speaks to us, I think, at a certain level. He was truly um, a prophet and a poet. His lyrics are deep. They're not just sort of something to sing along to. They actually have incredible meaning. And so when I think about him and the enduring legacy that he has, I think about certainly his music, but also what Rich had to say. And as the person who actually wrote the biography and really dug into his life and studied him and what he believed and interviewed that 36 people who were close to Rich to really understand what made him tick, it's clear that there were certain things that he really valued. And one of them was the church, which is kind of interesting because we, you wouldn't expect that necessarily from a recording artist who would be more devoted to, say, their own craft. But Rich maintained from the very beginning of his musical career all the way to the very end that the church was crucial. In fact, so much so that when I wrote the biography, the second chapter of the book is about the church. It's a chapter called Creed, and the subtitle of that chapter is Being Made in the Church, because Rich really believed that the church was pivotal, crucial for the Christian life. And certainly, in light of what this podcast is about, it's the place where we really learn how to set our minds on things above, because our hymns and our prayers and sermons and the scriptures are all about setting our minds on that which is beautiful and good and true, on that which is right and that which lifts us up to heavenly places. So today I want to talk about the church and particularly Rich's take on the church because he had an, a, an interesting approach to understanding what the church is about. And I know many of you who are listening right now are engaged in your own local churches in various ways. I know I am. I've been, there's never been a season where I've not been a part of the church. It's always been central to my life. It is every Sunday for me. And I've grown to love the church in a way I never would have expected when I was a young person. But today I want us to listen to what Rich has to say about the church from chapter two, from an arrow pointing to heaven. Rich Mullins loved the church. He was nurtured in it, learning there the truths of his faith that would shape him. He did not believe that we go to church because we're perfect. He believed that we go to church because we need it. He looked at the Christian life as a process, 
an ongoing struggle to be faithful to what we know is true. And he understood that we're prone to failure and therefore in need of the support, direction, and accountability found only in the church. Rich said this, I hear people say, why do you want to go to church? They're all just hypocrites. I never understood why going to church made you a hypocrite because nobody goes to church because they're perfect. If you've got it all together, you don't need to go. You can go jogging with all the other perfect people on Sunday morning. Every time you go to church, you're confessing again to yourself, to your family, to the people you pass on the way there, to the people who will greet you there, that you don't have it all together and that you need their support. You need their direction. You need some accountability. You need some help. Rich believed that the Christian life isn't a one-time faith commitment and then you just merely wait till you die. We need constant sustenance and we cannot live off the momentum of our past. And because of that, he and his writing partner, Beaker, wrote a song that expressed that never-ending need that we, we just have to have God guiding us. It's a song I'm sure many of you know. It's a song called Step by Step. I want to play a little bit of that so you can hear that song, and then I'll have a few words to say about that, as well as what Rich thought about the song. Boy, I love that song. I love Step by Step so much. You know, Rich later commented on the song Step by Step by saying this, With Step by Step, I had to make an overall statement. It's that faith is walking with God. The biggest problem with life is that it's just daily. You can never get so healthy that you don't have to continue to eat right, because every day I have to make the right choices about what I eat and how much exercise I need. Spiritually, we're in much the same place. I go on these binges where it's like, I'm going to memorize the five books of Moses. I expect to be able to live off the momentum. So with step by step, it's not what you did and it's not what you're going to do. It's what you do today. You know, Rich was aware of just this constant need for spiritual nourishment. And he learned that early on. You know, Rich was raised in a family that had a kind of mixed faith. He was on his mother's side. They were Quakers. His grandmother was a very devout Quaker. He would see her go to Quaker meetings every week, and Rich, in fact, went to those Quaker meetings until he was six years old. But then his father um, said he would go back to church uh, with his mom, but the Quaker thing wasn't working for him, so John wasn't too interested in that approach, that style of worship. Um, And so he said, I'll go back to church if we can find a, a happy medium. And so they ended up going to the Christian church, and so Rich attended Whitewater Christian Church in Richmond, Indiana, and and those were very formative years for him because he would hear the Bible preached, and um, it was just a, a huge part of his own faith journey. The church became so central to how he understands what it means to be a Christian, and 
He knew that, and he loved it. This is what he said about going to church. He said, when I go to church, I involve myself in something that identifies me with St. Augustine, that identifies me with Christ, that identifies me with nearly 2,000 years of people who've come together once a week and said, let's go to the Lord's table and enjoy the feast that he's prepared for us. In that week, I may have been subjected to a million billboards that try to make me identify with the thinking of contemporary society. But once a week, I go back to church and acknowledge that though the shape of the world is really different now than it used to be, this remains the same. I still come to the Lord's table and say, Oh God, if it weren't for your grace, if it weren't for the sacrifice of Christ, my life would have no meaning. No life would have real substance. And I do this each week, voluntarily. Richardly believed that the unchanging truths of the church are something that all of us need. And that is why one of Rich's most powerful songs, one I know that many of you who have listened to his music enjoy, people loved singing it in concert with him, probably more than any other song, is the song Creed. As his friend and fellow musician Phil Madeira said, I think everything that was important to Rich was wrapped up in the song Creed. Let's listen to that incredible song by Rich Mullins. Oh, I love that song so much. Creed just continues to speak to me. As many of you will recognize, it's based on the Apostles' Creed. It's, a, in many ways, a word-for-word rendition of the Apostles' Creed. And it's on the album A Liturgy, A Legacy, and a Ragamuffin Band, which is my favorite album of Rich's. And that album came out right before he had moved in with us. So it was, it was fresh, and I was listening to it and just really loving it. And I would ask Rich, pretty much about every song. Like, where did that come from? What, what were you thinking about? What, what inspired that? And I remember being kind of disappointed in some way when he said about Creed, when I said, where did, where did that song come from? And he said, well, I was on the airplane um, and Beacon and I were flying to a concert, I think it was. And he said, uh, we were one song short on the album. We needed another song. And I'd been thinking about the Apostles' Creed because uh, that was a big part of Rich's own personal faith life was, you know, saying the creed. He thought, I wonder if I could turn that into a song. And then he put that together with a line from G.K. Chesterton's book, Orthodoxy, where Chesterton says this about orthodoxy, which is the right views of God that we have within within the church. Chesterton wrote, God and humanity made it, and it made me. 
So Rich would take that idea, that Chesterton quote, and put it into the song. And that's where we get that line. And I believe what I believe is what makes me what I am. I did not make it. No, it is making me. It's the very truth of God and not the invention of any man. So there he is on an airplane thinking, I think I could maybe use the Apostles' Creed as some lyrics and and comes up with this song that I know has been so meaningful to, for so many people uh, as I've talked with folks through the years. And they'll say, oh, Creed, yeah, that really, that speaks to me in a big way. Obviously, it's based on the Apostles' Creed, which uh, is an ancient creed that goes back to the 5th century, uh, at least as far as what most scholars believe, is that that was formulated by the church as, to, as a way of saying, this is what we believe about God, about Jesus about the church, about faith, about forgiveness, about everlasting life, and so forth. So it's, it's a condensed version of everything that we believe. And I think just in and of itself, it is incredibly powerful because a creed, from the Latin word credo, means I believe. This is what I believe. And what's so powerful about it is that we are all individuals, but we're coming together saying this is what I believe, but it, more importantly, is what we believe. It's the collective faith that all of us have. So when a person comes into the life of the church, their faith is new. Their faith is, is emerging. It's, it's in need of language and that sort of thing. But as you grow and develop, you then are shaped by that. I think that's what Rich was trying to get at with that idea that I believe what I believe is what makes me what I am. That the things that I've come to believe, like I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, do you believe that? I mean, that's, that's quite profound. And in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, just that sentence is life-changing. If you really believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is, in fact, our Lord, now that belief is going to shape your life. And that idea that, you know, I didn't make this up. I didn't make it. But it is making me. It's shaping me. And I think that's really true of the church, that the, the church, as long as it stays true to its, its role of saying th- these things that we are saying and doing, these are orthodox, which means correct worship, correct belief. These ways of coming together and saying these words are shaping us. C.S. Lewis said of the church, the church will outlive the universe. In it, the individual person will outlive the universe. Everything that is joined to the immortal head will share his immortality. As mere biological entities, we're of no account. But as organs in the body of Christ, as stones and pillars in the temple, we are assured of our eternal self-identity and shall live to remember the galaxies as an old tale. (laughs) Lewis, he's such a good writer. What an image, so that as we are members of Christ's body and he is immortal, Right? The Christ is the second member of the Trinity. He's the Son of God. He's God himself. As we are attached to that, we then are attached to something way bigger than us. And that's why I think Rich loved the church so much. He knew that it wasn't perfect. He knew that it was made up of humans, and it was fractured and broken because of the people in it. That's the nature of who we are. But he never got away from that, that love of the church. I mean, he would often say in concerts, he would say, look, I mean, I'm glad you came to my, to my concert. 
I'm glad you listen to my music, but if you really want to grow in the faith, please go to church because he believed in it so much. You know, as I said in the beginning, it's, it, we're coming out of a difficult time because the church for many people became something they thought, well, I can just sort of do this on my own. I can, I can watch some videos. I can watch a service online. Something really is missing there. Something's, we need the presence of other people. We need to be with one another, to greet one another, to bless one another. It's just so profound. I, I get to serve communion every week in my church. And as I'm doing that, and I see people come forward, it's really one of the most moving parts of any church service for me. Because as people come, and the way we take communion is by intinction, so they come with their, their hands open, and I put the wafer into their hands, but they come with open hands, and I see this, this posture of humility that we're coming in as people in need. And, and as I say to them when I hand them that wafer, you know, the body of Christ broken for you, or the body of Christ, the bread of heaven, it's that we are being united by something much bigger than us. We didn't make it, but it is making us. It is the very truth of God and not the invention of any man. And that's why we need it again and again and again. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Hey folks, I want to let you know about a recent development here at Friends University where I teach. We have an undergraduate degree program in Christian spiritual formation, a Bachelor of Arts degree that's both a first and a second major. Now, I teach in this program, as well as some other amazing professors, and I am pleased to announce that Friends University is offering an amazing scholarship of up to $18,000 per year to students interested in studying Christian formation as a part of their college experience. In addition to this amazing scholarship, there'll be hands-on learning with ministry leaders, working with me and others, and great opportunities for internships. Again, this is for both a first major, those who plan on going into ministry, as well as those seeking it as a second major, meaning those who are going to become accountants or therapists or graphic designers or teachers or engineers, any number of other vocations, but they also want to grow in their spiritual lives while in college and get a pretty big scholarship to help pay for college. So if you know someone who would benefit from a degree like this, check out our website, apprenticeinstitute.org, and click on the Friends University tab. Again, apprenticeinstitute.org and click on the Friends University tab. I hope you join me next time. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast. And if you'd like to donate to the Things Above podcast, you can do so on our website, apprenticeinstitute.org. Click the Donate Now button at the top of the page. It's really easy, and it would mean a lot to me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above.